Welcome to People's Church Podcast. You know, one thing I'm going to share with you today, we're going to talk about rebooting the ultimate truth. When we talk about this, there is one big filter you should be looking at your life through. Just one. It's a giant filter. And everything that you put through that is going to get its balance. It's going to get its depth and understanding and clarity. Um, I want you to go through my scriptures right to this one. Find me Matthew 6. Okay? Find me Matthew 6. And uh, I want to take you there and start with that scripture. 6 and verse 19. If you're looking for the 6 verse 19. When it comes to Jesus, he was the beginning of something very special. By the way, he was the beginning of all creation. It's clearly identified that through Jesus Christ, all of creation exists. It was brought into being and it still consists and exists by his word, by his power. And so Jesus is not some, you know, little cousin of God's. Jesus is God in the flesh. And so what we're going to talk about today is a couple of things to be understood. And I want to try and explain a very large filter for you. Now with Jesus' first coming, when he first came to the planet, that was the most powerful event in all of history. It was where God arrived on this. He didn't just create the planet. He didn't just move men and women like he did in the Old Testament to uh, speak for him and to deliver leadership into this world. He didn't just uh, work through one nation. When Jesus came, and we just came through the Christmas season, we call that the first advent. So the advent is a very important word. You know what it means? All right. Um, Advent is, men know this word really, really well. You, You advent all the time, guys. You're saying, what is he talking about? No, I mean, you're really good at adventing. Adventing is waiting. It's not bad. <clears throat> advent, waiting. You're in, a, you're, you're in a waiting time. You're waiting for something. The first advent was a waiting period. They were waiting for... Jesus to come. And they even had the expectation that at that time. So if to understand Christ, though, you've got to understand that there are two advents. There's a waiting period for him to come, which he did. And then there's a waiting period for him to come, which he's yet to. And so we've got two different advents. And the first advent kicked off what we want to call the kingdom of God. Big word kingdom. You read about it. Sometimes it's used as kingdom of heaven in the scriptures. Really what that's happening is that that was written a lot in Matthew, kingdom of heaven. And the reason is he's writing mainly to the Jews and Jews would not utter the name God in that, that one name very easily. So what that happened is he just kingdom of heaven. So kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Let's just make them synonymous. In this particular kingdom, there's a king. The king is Jesus. The king is Jesus. Did we get that scripture? The one that I got? Good, thank you. Throw that one up. In verse, you know, that's not very nice language when you say that, is it? Like, throw that one up. I don't know about you, but I went back anyway. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That's a very interesting scripture. He's saying, earth is a place that you don't want to put all your life into because there's a whole different kingdom. There's a kingdom that exists that is, the Bible says, unshakable. That's in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, at the end of it, speaks about a kingdom that exists, that where the angels are festive and the citizens are Christian, and it is that place that cannot be shaken. Then it speaks about this, 
all the other things that were created, the whole created order one day is just going to be gone. It's just gone. But this will never go. So it's saying there's only one unshakable kingdom, and that is the kingdom of God. And when we start talking about this kingdom, this becomes a big part of this filter that we need to look at our lives on this planet, on this time. And we need to get it right and not be looking at the earth as a place that we expend every effort for the earth and for this life. See, a lot of people really get it wrong. They think, I'm living for me now. I'm living for this life now. In essence, that is backward to what God has intended for you. God wants you to live for heaven, for an unshakable kingdom, one that will not just go away, one that the other kingdom here, kingdom of this earth, has emerged from. Jesus' coming was the king of the unshakable kingdom coming into the creation that he had made. When he came into that creation, he came in as king. So the king has arrived. That was a king. And that's why they brought him the gifts that they did. The royal gifts. You know the three gifts that were brought. The royal gifts that were brought was to honor the coming of the king. How many like Lord of the Rings? My favorite out of the three is obviously like the return of the king. I love the final thing and all the battle scenes and all that kind of stuff in there. The big elephants and anyway, never mind. The return of the king. The kingdom came. It's now here. It is now here. Jesus Christ has brought the unshakable kingdom into this planet and into your time and given you the opportunity to move from darkness to light, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He's given us all that opportunity. When we make that decision for Christ as our king, we are transported immediately, not will be, immediately from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. That has huge ramifications, both for this planet and for your life. That means right now on this planet, you have received Christ into your life. Now, how many, how many here are going to just put up their hands and say, yeah, but I already lived the perfect life. I've got, the, I've got a perfect life. Don't do it, please. I'd hate to pick on you uh, with some tough questions. I don't know if you heard the story about a guy, he was, he was a Hindu, uh, uh, one of their priests, and he was being questioned by a, questioned by, uh, a, a Christian, actually. And, uh, and uh, this guy was saying, well, I don't, I don't have any sin. I've never sinned. I don't sin. So the guy was going through, you've never done this? Nope, never done that. Never done this. Never done that. Nope, never done any of that. Never done that. Nope, never done that. One final question I got for you. Are you proud that you've never done it? Oh, yeah. There's always a bingo, right, folks? Your number gets called. The fact is, is that within this kingdom, we think it's perfect that you're perfect right now. You've been made perfect in only this regards, that your sins have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, that you have a position in the kingdom of kingdoms, the eternal kingdom of God, you are part of his family. And now that nature of Christ in you is going to work its way through you. And we all go through the ups and downs of that process. I told somebody yesterday, I don't know what conversation, I had so many yesterday, we had a funeral here yesterday. But just, I, I, here's how they were asking me about something. And I said, well, here's what I do. Look, here's what I do. Every morning I get up, I recognize there's kind of two buttons, Okay. Two buttons in life. And the one button is disobedience and the other button is, are you with me? Obedience. And I said, here's what I try to do each day. Just push the obedient button more than I do the disobedient button. And I just try to get, learn how to be more obedient. Because I'm on a trajectory of becoming something that I cannot make myself. All I can do 
is say, Lord, I want to be obedient. I choose this. And then God's got to do the change to line me up with all of that. He's got to change it from the inside out. Because obedience of the flesh is not God-honoring. It has to come from the heart to be really what we would call righteous. In this particular kingdom, it was a start. A little bit of Second World War history, how this works. It's sort of like this. In Second World War, tell me what this date is. June 6, 1944. Got it. D-Day. Bingo. D-Day. D-Day, they invaded all of the Allied forces, and they had a foothold in Europe. The moment they had that foothold in Europe, the war was over. It was just time. It was just time. That's how it is with the two advents. So we got this first advent. Jesus comes and he brings the kingdom because he's the king. And wherever the king goes, that's his kingdom. And he put a claim on it and he put a claim on you. And he said, you're destined for my family. I want you in my family. And in that kingdom, the war goes on. And now we as believers come into this kingdom through receiving the king as our Lord, as our king, as our savior. And now we are in the closing chapters of a war. We are part of God's work in this world. We are part of what his work is in your family, in your friends, in your neighbors, in your enemies. You are here by design and purpose and meaning. You're not here in any accidental sense. He wants you to be a part of the invasion. So the invasion of God's kingdom, that unshakable eternal kingdom, is now found in the hearts of people of faith. Faith in Christ. And through his kingship, he directs and he calls us to obediences and, and to steward our lives in ways that are going to make a difference in the people's lives around us. And in this world, the only true mark you're going to make on the world is the mark you make for the next world, for the one that won't be shaken. Who cares about making a mark in a world that's gone? How many here remember who won the best picture in the Oscar uh, nominations in the year 2000? How many remember? How many remember who won the Super Bowl, my wife, you know? How many who won the Super Bowl last year? You got a name? Is it there? Is it there? How many here remember who won... The Stanley Cup three years ago. Made that one a little harder. Boy, they were big moments though, weren't they? You're going to be a part, and you are a part, of something that makes the eternal mark. God will not forget. And it's part of his story. So let's start off with just a few understandings. Jesus coming to us must be understood in two advents in one kingdom. So what we got is advent number one. And then we got advent number two, which we are still waiting for. That is the return of Jesus Christ. In between here is a kingdom that has come and invaded You are part of that kingdom, and you are in a time between advents. We are in a waiting time. History continues. The world still turns on its time and on the plan of God, and there's still opportunity, and there's still lots to be done in every generation to carry the torch of the message of the kingdom of God. And to live in that kingdom as stewards and good servants. Jesus told stories about this. You know, hey, this wealthy guy leaves. He's going on a trip. He leaves this one with one talent of gold, another one with two talents of gold, another one with five talents of gold. And then he comes back and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? What's he talking about? He's talking about you're in between advents. You're going to be given things. You're going to be a part of something. What will you do with what you've been given? 
In that you find meaning. In that you will discover purpose. In that you will discover the value of life. Because it's rooted in a filter that says, there's something bigger than everything else I'm in. Even when you're in trouble. Even when you're in heavy water. To have a filter you look for and you can measure up against your circumstance and your experience against this filter of an unshakable eternal kingdom that you have you rooted your life in because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That stills storms. And it's more than importantly, it stills you in the middle of the storms that won't still. If I'm part of something that's unshakable and I'm being shaken in my life, we all go through it. It's the unshakable picture and vision where meaning and purpose thrive. Let's read a few scriptures. So with the king came the kingdom. So what was the message of the kingdom? Matthew 4, 17. When Jesus came, these are Jesus' own words prior to the Sermon on the Mount. This is in Matthew 4. And in Matthew 4, Jesus said this. And by the way, this is right after his temptation in the wilderness. And he's now just started his ministry. So these are like the first words of the kingdom of God. Here are the first words of the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What's he saying? What is repent? Why would we make repent such a negative word? Repent is the most positive word. It means that you can change. It's a choice to change. Imagine if you couldn't change. Who here wants to marry somebody that will not and cannot change? How many here are married to somebody that will not and cannot? Don't. (laughs) How many here have kids? That will not and cannot change. How many here? Okay, you, the list goes on, right? <clears throat> Bosses, employees, neighbors, drivers. I mean, repent is change. And repent means it's changed from that which is not good to that which is good. It's, it's owning the reality of what has been so that there can be a new reality. It's coming to terms with the condition that has ruled and choosing a condition where the rulership has changed completely for you. Where the one that rules you is your Savior, your Lord, and a God that loves you and has designed you and paid an amazing price for you. This kingdom's magical. It's beyond magical. Now it's in the kingdom. The kingdom is represented within the hearts of people that hold the king. If you've received Jesus, you've received the king of the kingdom. So the kingdom of God and its potentials is within you. And that kingdom is your final destination. And it's assured because of the work of Jesus Christ. So what do we do here? Well, let's talk about the position of the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We all know basically what an ambassador is. At the United Nations, of course, they have ambassadors from all over the world. They're the only ones that can park in New York without getting a parking ticket. They just get special rights. An ambassador is a representative, not a king. You are a representative of the king. And you represent the nation. We also are ambassadors, representing the kingdom of God, representing our king. So that brings up a lot of questions, doesn't it? How should we then live? Ambassadors, interesting word. 
Ambassadors really, think about this, Rome. Just, you know, Rome going back 2,000 years. Uh, Rome was, was such a powerful, dominant state, world ruler, world ruled with, with iron fists. I mean, Rome did not send ambassadors. Isn't that an interesting thought? Rome didn't send ambassadors. In fact, they bragged about receiving ambassadors. Rome sent armies. Jesus is not like Rome in this regard. Our ambassadorship is different. See, we're ambassadors. In, 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 in the normal world of things, Rome, all of the ambassadors, it flowed very simply from the weak to the strong. The weak nations to the strong nation. So send the ambassador to that strong nation. In Jesus, it was the opposite. Jesus comes from a kingdom that it cannot be shaken, but he comes to the weak. The strong came to the weak. That's you, that's me, that's, that, that's us in our condition. That's this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That movement is never happened the other way around. So you're ambassadors of the strongest unshakable kingdom and he has sent you from strength to weakness. You represent the strongest king or kingdom ever. The kingdom above all kingdoms. You represent the king above all kings. One day every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will not be this eternal rebellion. It will end. We are in it now. We are in the invasion force, moving off from the beachhead of Christ, coming into this world, invading the different places that he directs us to and takes us to. And that invasion is not one of an army of blood. It's a bloodless invasion. It is an army where our blood might get shed. It's an army, and we know that around the world today, by the way, and it's an army where you lay down your life for your friend and enemy, where you lay down what you've got for the king and the kingdom. In a world that opposes everything about you and what you believe. And who you believe in. I'm still amazed at how the name of Jesus is used in, as, as, as a curse word. I mean, it's amazing how that one name, I've always been amazed at this. I've, I've always been amazed at this. I mean, when, 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 when people want to seem to express a strength, I don't know. I guess they want to sound like they're putting an emphasis on something. They don't go like, oh, Buddha, did you ever? It's always, oh, Christ. Oh, Jesus. What is it about that? I mean, I'm talking about around the world. This is the king of kings. He's the one that every knee will bow to, and that's why it is the ultimate thing to treat his name in the way that it gets treated when you're in rebellion to him, when a heart rebels. This name above all names. So the position is you are Christ's ambassadors. You are involved in the work of God. You have been sent from strong to the weak. You have been sent from where the shakable, unshakable kingdom exists. He has authored that you should stay in the shakable kingdom and represent the unshakable kingdom and that you have a faith that keeps you rooted there, but you can function and operate here and go through everything here. And he carries, he helps, he strengthens, he resources. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I keep taking steps forward. I keep moving past the losses of life, the hardships of life. I keep moving past my own inadequacies by the grace of God. He's got every gracing I'm going to need, but I must just keep going because you see, I am an ambassador. I'm going about my job. I'm going about my calling. I'm going about my meaning. I'm going about my purpose. 
So what is the ambition of the kingdom? Well, Matthew 6, 19, we already had it up there. Let's put it up again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. It's a very, very straightforward scripture. It just says there's, there's, there's only two places you're going to lay up treasure here. That's it. There's only, that's it. You're either going to be laying up treasure for heaven. And how does that change if you actually embrace that and engage with that? Then everything on this planet is not measured with uh, how comfortable you are. It's measured with how faithful you are. If you're laying up treasure here on earth, here's a really good way to figure whether you are or not. Your comfort is more important to you than your faithfulness. Ouch, I hate when the dagger goes in. Hey, I have to prepare this and listen to it 10 times over, so I don't feel any sympathy for you on this. (laughs) When our comfort matters more to us than our faithfulness to our king, How do you serve the king? Pretty straightforward. What's the promise of the kingdom? This is an incredible kingdom. In Matthew 6.33 he says, But seek first his kingdom. Again, you have a choice. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things which are all of the things that we all tend to chase will be given to you as well this is such a fundamental powerful scripture in fact one of them I would say if not the most powerful scripture right there because it lays down the whole premise that this filter of which kingdom you serve is the fundamental purpose of your life. It's the most important thing to know and to figure out what am I really serving here? Now just to get that into context, I put a big chunk of what came before Jesus said that. And so we're going to take time, we're going to read Matthew 6, 25 to 34. And would you see the difference between comfort and faithfulness? And would you see what Jesus is really asking here of those that would enshrine him as king in their hearts? Therefore, I tell you, Jesus' words, Sermon on the Mount stuff. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. I, just the, how do we say, just the very strength of those words. Because you see, you and I know what it's like to intimately worry about our life. We are very connected to that. And he's saying, my kingdom is so fundamentally different That you don't have to worry about your life if I'm your king. Whoa. Amen, preacher. Keep it going. Okay, I will. (laughs) Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Eat or drink, eat or drink. How many here like to eat or drink or both together? How many? Okay. All right. What's your favorite food? Just think about it right now. What's your favorite food? How many here are seafood people? Seafood favorite? Favorite? How many here are beef? There's only one meat, beef. How many here are fish people? You said that was seafood. No, seafood for me is lobster and crab, okay? Okay. Throw a few scallops, mussels in there. 
Then there's fish. How many here are, why are we talking about meat? I just love the veggies. Okay. God forgive you. Uh, look, isn't it amazing? You can go online right now and you just put the word food. Don't do it right now, but if you did that, you'd have an inexhaustible supply of information and it would just keep going because it's a huge subject. Oh, and then there's drink. Do we dare go there? The idea being that we are very much taken up with that and it's not that it's wrong, it's that it might be in the wrong position. It might be your kingdom. And if you were ever asked to lay it aside, there would be a wrestle like Jacob with the angel. You know what fasting is? Laying it aside. Oh man, you want, you want to challenge your belly? I don't like challenging my belly. Well, I should challenge my belly, but you know what I'm talking about. Challenging the belly is where you find out really fast how like hooked you are to the belly. You have an addiction. I have an addiction. How many here already know what they're going to have for lunch? Don't raise your hand. How many of you already have a meal plan for the whole week? Okay. That is, it's, we are hooked to this thing. And you challenge it even just by the act of fasting. Fasting is, is beautiful. And it's something that Jesus said, you do in secret. You don't make no big deal out of this. He's saying, you just do it. Because he's saying, this is about your private victory. It's about your private forward movement. It's about prioritizing my kingdom over what makes this kingdom work. You need to eat. You need to drink. Please do, and please make good food, okay? And make it, if you can, get a little healthy with it, okay? There's donuts, by the way, still after the service. <laughs> Just leave me one apple fritter, okay? Just one. Isn't that how it goes in life? Just one. Why am I spending time on this? Because you see, the fact is, these are the things that make up most people's lives, and this is how their cycle of 24 hours works, and one week works, and 30 days work, is because, you see, we're focused on what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Do we dare go there? I'm not going there. Oh, by the way, what do you think? Not bad? I'm not going there. Hey, nice. Look what I got. I wore this today just so I could have this pocket watch right here. And you say, look at it. Do you see the time? Yes. Too bad. <laughs> this was from my uh, daughter and, and, and uh, my grandkids. So I'm like, oh, I still got lots of time. Why do you worry about these things? What you will wear? Is not life more than the food in the body? Isn't this day got things worth more than that for you? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? <laughs> it's like he's making a statement of, do you realize how stupid you can be? <laughs> you put all your energy into that worrying and you can't even add one hour to your life. So you can actually worry and waste everything great. And why do you worry about clothes? Because my wife tells me, Joe. <laughs> Sometimes I'm in Linda's kingdom. No, she's amazing. See how the flowers of the field grow? Natural process, right? They grow. 
They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, your heavenly father, you know, is, he says, he looks at these things as they are beautiful. They're gorgeous. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor, who was the richest man in history as far as we know, he wasn't dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire or frozen in the ground, (laughs) will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Faith in what? The king. The kingdom. Worry is attached to the natural. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? I know some of you guys are going to quote that to your wife soon. For the pagans run after all these things. Do you know what a pagan is? Like we have to, a pagan is just somebody who has rejected God and is driven. A pagan is driven by only the appetites of the flesh. That's how the Bible would look at it. A person driven by only the appetites of the flesh. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. What is something in this kingdom right now that is keeping you back from full engagement in his where would he say, yeah, it's just little faith, you're, you're little in your faith here? Where in this kingdom is it at battle with his kingdom? Where is that the hottest? Where is the greatest conflict zone? Where is the place that you are not moving at all on and you haven't moved on it and it's settled in and it's become a driven cycle in your 24 hours and you've got this someday mentality? He goes on and he says, but seek first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What things? Clothes, food, everything that you need because he knows your heavenly father knows that you need them. Well, I don't know if God's got the best, you know, interest in my things in life. Yeah, he does. And he can fill the list in life better than you can on your own because he won't do what you'll do, which will empty your life so that you can supposedly fill it. He will fill your life and it won't compromise who you are. It will, in fact, make you stronger all the way around. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. That's, that's great, more or less. Just let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. And you say, oh, That is so asinine. That is so infantile. That is, no, that's just a great way to live today. It's hard though. So hard. What makes it hard is that you see the king, the king, you're struggling against the king. You're not trusting the king. That phrase, all these things shall be added unto you. It can remind me of this, that the acquisition of property often decreases a man rather than adds to him. 
the acquisition of things here is often decreasing the man, the woman, the youth. Have you ever observed a person become visibly smaller because they grew wealthier and their wealth got greater? But they didn't. It's an awful sight. Actually, I've noticed this way too often, way too often. Where they have increased the things that moths and vermin will corrupt. But in that, they have become less themselves. I've really seen that through the years. So often, it does give me great pain. They have been the architect of their own fortune. And they've been the architect of their own destruction. And instead of becoming a big soul, they've not become what God wanted. They've become a little soul. Here's an old kind of writing that I came across, and I want to read it to you, having to do with the idea that coming across great gain can often be the biggest robber of your own soul. This goes back probably a couple hundred years. So this condition's been around and it will continue and persist. A man who has come upon great gain who has built up a palatial estate upon the ruins of his own manhood. It is a pity when a man bricks himself up with his growing gains. See that hole in the wall? The man stands in it and greedily cries for bricks and mortar, golden bricks and silver mortar he must have. They bring him the materials. He cries eagerly for more. He cannot be content unless he builds himself in. The wall which shuts him out from his fellow men and from the light of peace and true joy rises higher and higher month after month and year after year. His sympathies and charities are bricked up. For the wall is more than breast high. Still he pines for more metallic material. At last he is built in, buried beneath his own gatherings, lost to all manhood through his accumulations. You see his house. You see his carriage and his horses. You see his broadcloth and his broad acres. But you cannot see the man. Heart, soul, aspiration, spirituality it is all gone and nothing remains but a vault of greed and care to be itself buried under a monument bearing these words remember this is a couple hundred years ago these words he died worth half a million Oh, when I read that, I was like, whoa. See, what God intends to do in providence over our lives is that he'll add these things as you serve him heartily and you put first things first. I'll tell you why families are struggling often with the transition of faith to the next generation is because we haven't really put the first things first. I'll tell you why you struggle with a lasting joy and endurance and power and peace in your life. Because you haven't put the first things first. 
Because these things all source out of only one source. And it is the king in his kingdom. And we are part of that in this challenging time between two advents. The king came, A.D., B.C., split history, measures history. And in one day he's going to return again and all history will cease. And at that time, at that appointed hour, whether it be on his return or whether you go to join him in his kingdom, now read Hebrews 12. At the end is especially fascinating. To the new Jerusalem, the invisible Jerusalem, where there's festive angels and Christian citizens. If you go there before his second return, And you live with the king as your king. And you continue to make the adjustments where your life is not matching up. And every morning you get up, you just try and push that obedience button at least one more time. And you just keep moving that forward. You don't stay in disobedience. You continue to move forward. That's the beauty of repentance. That's the beauty of a king of love. That is the beauty of grace. That's the beauty that you and I never have one excuse to not be moving forward. We cannot say this happened to me or I've done this or here's my history. I've got no future. You are so off base if you are in that thinking, especially if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and right now is your best moment, you got your best moment to make a decision about the king and his kingship. You've got the ability to make a decision about how you're going to live the rest of your days. You got the ability to decide whether you're going to put your mark into eternity or whether you're going to try and leave something in time. And I will tell you, time will forget all of your marks. I am challenging you today. You need to reboot. Reboot. The most important thing. And the thing that is most important is this ultimate truth. Jesus Christ is king. His kingdom is real. It's unshakable. He calls us to live for it. And calls us to view every waking moment we get in this life. In what we are laying up in his kingdom. In our response to his kingship. And may you by his grace. Reach a little bit deeper this morning. And say Jesus. You are my king. And these areas. that need to be rebooted. Decision made. Obedience button pushed. Because the king will fill my soul. My plan will only empty my soul. Would you stand with me please? Fathers, we bow our heads before you in the closing part of this service. I pray that the words which we've spoken would be just like that day that you spoke them to people. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near, it's right here. It's waiting. Turn it around. Seek first my kingdom. And my righteousness. And I'm going to bless you. I will look after all the other things. Trust me. Live in trust in me. Be my ambassador. I have sent you. You're the invasion force. You're bringing love and grace. Into this world. Father, I pray that our hearts would just simply respond to the depth that your spirit has taken this word today. That our resistance would just melt away.
and we reestablish our devotion to our king and the kingdom that he has brought us into. And we thank you that you have so graced our lives. In Christ's name we pray. If you are here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to just to look up at me, just straight at me, and just let me talk to you. You need a new king. There's many things that could be your king. I don't know what they are. There's many things that can replace, seek to replace the king. But you were meant for one, one king and one king only. And that's Jesus Christ. He is God's son. He is God in the flesh. And he has died for your sins. And I want to encourage you today to make a choice for Jesus. How you do that is just in simple faith. When Jesus came along and said, hey guys, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. They had one quick response. Yes or no. You're getting the same call today. It's yes or no. And in the quietness of your heart, here's a few words you can borrow from me if you want. And you might say, I want a new king and I want it to be you, Jesus. I may have been my own king and I'm not wanting to serve anymore. Myself. My interests. The appetites of myself. Instead, I choose you and I choose your kingdom. Thank you for the purpose and meaning you have for my life. Certainly forgive me for every sin of my life, past, present, future. And I accept your mercy for all of those. And I thank you that that's complete. Now, Lord, teach me how to serve and live well in this kingdom of yours and serve your kingdom on this planet. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.